Hi, I'm Ollie. And I'm Kendall. And this is The Group Project. The Group Project is a podcast telling people's stories about making a difference in the world. You can follow us on Instagram at MakeOneChange, and you could subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Hi, Susie. Welcome. Thanks for having us on your podcast. You are the Backyard Habitat Certification Program Manager. Um, can you tell us a little about yourself and how you came to be doing the work you're doing with the Backyard Habitat Certification Program? And then maybe a little bit after that, what that program is. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think my my draw to the program has a lot to do with my love of this region. Um, I grew up in southwest Washington as a kid and then lived around different parts of the country during my middle school and high school years and always really missed the Pacific Northwest. Um, Growing up, we had about 10 acres of woods, and that's pretty much where I spent most of my time, was out in the woods exploring and uh, just soaking in the beauty and uh, looking at all the the little creatures that lived in the trees in our backyard and there's always um to me to me nature's always held a lot of of mysteries and um just beauty so i i really appreciate what we have in this region and um i'm just really drawn to it and now living in a city i realize the impact that um that we've created on habitat here and so it's 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 really great to have a job um, where I can help support wildlife and and our natural areas. Um, so I really appreciate that. So so yeah, I grew up in this area, and then um, I went to college in in Texas and got a degree in psychology, um, which was a really fun degree. And then I kind of quickly learned that um, I wanted to be outside more and wanted to have access to nature as part of my job. And so, um, and I really missed the Pacific Northwest. And so not long after college, I moved back up here. And uh, this was during the time when there was a, a kind of an economic crash in the U.S. And I had a fairly difficult time finding work when I got here. This was around 2001. And um, so I, I considered going to school for landscape design. I'd taken quite a few landscape design and botany classes and ultimately decided that what I really just needed was a job. Uh, so I ended up working in a field that didn't really fulfill my personal goals, but, you know, allowed me to pay the rent and so forth. Um, that was in title insurance and escrow. Um, that was about, that lasted for about 10 years um, and then, let's see, I guess it was about 2010 when we had another economic crash. They they closed most of our office and laid a lot of employees off, including me. And so then I, I got the chance to kind of start fresh and think about what inspired me and what I wanted to do for the rest of my, you know, working life. Um, office work hadn't been particularly satisfying to me. And I had a background in landscape design and botany, and I'd really enjoyed that that early part of my career. And so, um, but I also wanted to utilize the 
the experience that I gained working in title and escrow, where I learned a lot about land use and, um, and, and real estate. Um, and that seemed like a really valuable skill. So I started looking at land trusts in the area and thinking about how I could get involved with those because a lot of those skills can be utilized for land conservation purchases and so forth. Um, and that drew me to Columbia Land Trust, uh, where I volunteered for a little while. And then um, before too long, I actually got a job at Friends of Trees, which is another local nonprofit here, mm-hmm. um, and enjoyed six years there. Um, it's a great organization, Very, still very, very fond of it. And working at Friends of Trees um, really helped me. That was the first time I'd ever done any kind of community engagement I led um, a couple of the plantings through the neighborhood trees program. And I just really enjoyed the, I really enjoyed going out into neighborhoods and getting people excited about planting trees. And one of the core components um, in the neighborhood or in the neighborhood trees program is that at our, at our Saturday planting events, we encourage everybody in the neighborhood that's getting a tree to show up and to help out in some way, whatever their capacity is. And there was just such a wonderful experience in in like working with communities in that way to, to bring nature into their daily lives, um, whether it be their planting strip or their backyard. And that really kind of launched my passion for working with individuals and enhancing their yards, um, to, to create that beauty and, and then cumulatively to help clean the air of the region, clean, clean our waters, um, keep our soils clean and so forth. And so I started seeing kind of a bigger picture of what it meant for individuals to take action in their own yard. And that was just really inspiring to me. So when this position opened up, um, I jumped on it and uh, I haven't looked back. So that's, that's how I landed um, at the Backyard Habitat program. And this might be a good place for me to mention that the program is actually co-managed. So I work for Columbia Land Trust. And then the other program manager works at Audubon Society of Portland. So the program is co-managed by Columbia Land Trust and Portland Audubon. And it's a really wonderful partnership. I think we both have a lot of strengths that we bring into the partnership in terms of um, creating, um, creating, creating certification criteria for the program that are specifically linked to broader conservation goals, as well as how to engage communities. So there's, there are strengths that both organizations bring um, in terms of that. So what specifically um, for the Columbia Land Trust um, is there a particular mission or um, goals uh, in terms of the backyard habitat certification that that you come from, or is it is everything kind of shared? Or I don't know if that question makes sense, but um, it does. Yeah, I think there are a couple different ways that I can answer that. Uh, Columbia Land Trust conserves currently over about thirty three thousand acres of land along the Columbia River. So um, we have an extension office in Astoria, so kind of the, the beginning if you start at the ocean, and then working your way down through the Columbia River to the Dalles. Uh, so we have another office in Hood River. 
And um, so what we're basically doing is, is, you know, with other conservation groups in the area, trying to create a wildlife corridor right along the river. Like, obviously, rivers are hotspots for wildlife. And so together we can create a wildlife corridor um, right along the river there. And if you look at the overall impact of the Backyard Habitat Program, that is, in essence, what we're doing, but on a much smaller scale. And so instead of acquiring a few thousand acres of land, caring for it in a strategic way to, um, to care for wildlife that pass through, we're doing that in a, in a yard-by-yard way. But it makes sense when you look at the overall region mm-hmm. and how much wildlife has depended on, on, on our natural resources in this area and that they still do and that, and that the development that we're having here is really impacting that. And so that's, um, that maybe answers one part of your question. And then to talk more specifically about um, kind of who does what, because I think that is a confusing part right. in many ways. Right. Um, you, can, you can look at, like, the, the, the portion of work that I do for the program is a lot of the upfront stuff. So, for example, you've been, you're enrolled in the program, so this might make sense to you or to anyone else listening that's in the program. We, um, you know, we start with enrollment. And so when someone enrolls, what we do is connect them with one of our trained habitat technicians to set up a time for them to come out and visit your property for about an hour and look at what's going on there. Like what invasive weeds do you have? Um, What native plants do you already have on site? What are your planting conditions like? How much sun? How much water? Um, and then talk to you about what your, what your goals are for your yard. And so that, that kind of beginning of the phase um, is, the, is the part that I manage. And then what my cohort does at, at Portland Audubon is, um, is, is take over kind of from there. So once you, are, once you receive that initial site assessment, you're what we tag in progress. So you're kind of in progress working towards certification. And we have three different certification levels. But once someone's ready for certification, that's when she takes over and, um, and, and helps them reach certification. So doing the follow-up um, phone calls that are necessary to, to remind people of the resources that we provide, and then also to assign them to a certification technician once they're ready for certification. And there's quite a bit more to it than that, but that's um, kind of the part that's easiest to visualize. Um, we have two plant sales each year, one in the fall and one in the spring. So I manage one and she manages one and so forth. But that's kind of a basic breakdown of, our, of, what, we, of what we each do. So um, we've seen, you kind of talked through the process a little bit and um, kind of wanted to share a little bit about my experience or our experience with this. So we've seen the backyard habitat signs around the neighborhood. And I remember Kendall asking me if I'd ever want to do that with our yard. And um, without looking into it, um, I said no, because <laughs> it. Um, I was like, I don't think so. Um, it sounded kind of daunting to me, I think, just like that, that mm-hmm. um, it seemed like a, I don't know, like a big deal. And um, 
But then I was having breakfast with a friend, and she mentioned that she was in the process of getting her certification, and she just raved about the program and the process, and um, just, I mean, she it was the way that you described it, and she said it was just really approachable, um, but it was her telling me that someone comes out and talks you through it and looks at your space and, you know, points some different things out and makes suggestions that it made it feel um, so accessible. And uh, that was just, I felt like a really big strength of your program. And I also just felt like I got to learn a lot in the process, like through just her sharing, the person who came out sharing her excitement and her passion, like it was contagious. And then just (laughs) the information that she had. um, And one of the things I think this is, I don't remember details super well, but I kind of get like the idea of things. But um, she was talking about how the why of like why natives are kind of important to have in our yards. And she actually like painted this picture of city neighborhoods as like this kind of like a wildlife refuge, you know, like that they can, there can be all of this life there. Like she kind of envisioned like these the um, little parking strips and people's front yards and backyards just having plants that, um, you know, different insects and birds, maybe other animals too, that would be attracted to um, instead of that it doesn't have to be this space that's void of um, right. of this life. Would you go in and maybe, um, I don't know if you have the details of some of those types of information. Absolutely. Of, yeah, would you share yeah. some of that? Yeah, absolutely. I I really love hearing stories like that because that that was very much my experience when I first enrolled in the program in I think it was 2009, um, where I was really intimidated and I thought, oh, my garden needs to look, you know, really put together and I already need to have natives. You know, I, I had a, 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 an image of what I thought the technician would be looking for. And then once they arrived, I realized like, oh, this is this is the start of the process. Like they're not really expecting all that much at the beginning. And and that's what I like to really stress is that you don't have to be uh, you don't have to be a gardener. Um, you, you don't have to be someone who's really familiar with plants. You don't have to be someone who knows a lot about gardening. You don't have to have a very big garden. Um, really, any space you have, any time or energy you have to put into it makes a difference so so yeah we love going out and doing assessments for people who are kind of at the beginning of their projects because that way we get to provide the resources um the coupons the information that are really helpful to someone at the beginning although any any stage that you're at is a good time to enroll in the program um but yes i love her points there there are so many good points that she made and um um, I'm so thankful that we have such wonderful technicians. But yeah, it's it's really important to remember that before this area was developed, it was full of nature. And you know that that's you know it, with that I'm talking about a lot of different species of animals, a lot of different species of plants. It's a very vibrant region, and it and it has been for a very very long time. And that nature isn't necessarily going away. They may be, I mean, there are certainly species that we have lost in this region, um, but there are a lot of species that are still here that we can support and help thrive. 
And really, it doesn't take that much to do that. So a really important thing about native plants, indigenous plants, um, historically local plants, are that they, um, they provide a lot of benefit to wildlife who have, you know, the wildlife we have here have lived here, most of them, unless they've crept in from somewhere else, um, have been here for a very long time. And they have adapted to the plants in this area. And so a, a plant that has been around for thousands and thousands of years has, have benefits that support wildlife in all of their different life cycles. So, for example, if you take, um, i trying to think of a good example here. If you take um, our native hawthorn, the black hawthorn, and you compare it with a shrub or, or a similar sized plant, we'll say the butterfly bush that, um, that is ornamental, that has come from a different continent, then, and, and you look at how much they provide to the specifically beneficial insects and birds that live in this area, you see a huge difference. So hawthorns can provide a place you know, they provide fruits for birds to eat. They provide um, a source for nesting. They have little thorns on them that protect the birds that want to create nests in their, uh, in their canopies. Um, they have flowers that flower at the right time for certain pollinators. Um, they're just like a whole host of benefits that are provided that, um, what am I trying to say here? There's a whole host of benefits that are provided that that positively impact each phase of that bird or that pollinator's life cycle. So, you know, there, there might be pollinators that lay their eggs on the branches or the stems and so forth. Um, whereas if you take the butterfly bush, it does provide, you know, a lot of people think of butterfly bush and think like, oh, yes, I see butterflies feeding off of it. And that's true. Butterflies do enjoy their nectar, but there isn't, to my knowledge, any other part of the plant that supports that, that supports butterflies. And so there's just this huge difference between what native plants provide and what, um, versus what, what imported ones provide. So for example, in the U S there is a plant that has come over from Australia. It's the Melaleuca plant. It's a deeper bark. Um, and in its native Australia, there are 409 species of arthropods that utilize this plant. But here in the U.S., and it grows mainly, I believe, in the southeastern portion of the U.S., um, there are only eight species of arthropods that can use it. So that's 401 more species that can utilize it in its original location compared with those that, that are in compared with those um, arthropods in, let's say, Florida, who can, who can use it, but, but there aren't nearly as many species that can depend on it. And so that, I think, shows a huge ecologic, ecological um, weight towards uh, indigenous plants. That is so fascinating. That is, those, it was those bits of information that... Um totally got me hooked <laughs> when yeah. I was learning about it. And then we actually went to um, a, a native n plant nursery um, mm. this past weekend. And um, 
we're just learning about restoration that they had done of a creek, I think it was, um, near the nursery and how they like the, the person who owns the nursery, like organized a work party around there to get the invasive stuff out, you know, donated the native plants and how so much then it start life started to come back. Um, do you remember any of the specifics, Kendall? Yeah, I think, um, the person that we were talking to mentioned that they, there was Ivy kind of taking over our Creek bed and different things like that. And, uh, when the work party removed that Ivy and different debris and things that, that were kind of prohibiting the Creek from running, the Creek started running again. And then, uh, newts is the one that I can remember, uh, kind of oh, came wonderful. back into, into the area and, you know, you know, various salamanders and things like that. Um, right. I thought that that was just really interesting how, how nature is, is kind of waiting there at the door to come into these yeah. places. I thought that was a really interesting thing. Nature is totally waiting. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I had a question about, so you mentioned um, like wildlife and when I think of wildlife, I think of um, like bears and like, you know, like big wildlife. <laughs> and um, I, I don't think that you're, you're meaning that we're going to be introducing bears into uh, Northeast Portland, I hope. Um <laughs> But so, I, there, there was a story a couple of years ago about a bear who ended up there, but it was oh, wow. quite an anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you mention wildlife, are you talking like birds, pollinators, insects, um, different like smaller wildlife, squirrels? I don't, I, I don't know. But like, what kind of wildlife? So, as you know, people who may be interested in the backyard habitat certification, um, so they maybe you don't get scared off from, you know, saying, oh, if you kind of pursue this, you're going to be, you know, attracting coyotes or, you know, like something like that. So it, <laughs> what type of things right. um, could people expect to, uh, what are people opening the door to, I guess? That's a great, that's a great question. It really varies based on the part of the the area that you live in. So for example, we, a lot of our um, earliest enrollments were in southwest Portland or, or, or the west side of Portland. And um, that's a very different, in many ways, it's a very different area ecologically than the east side of Portland. On the west side, there's a much denser tree canopy. We've got Forest Park, which is, you know, quite large, you know, natural area in essence, even though there is foot traffic there. Um, and over there, a lot of our participants um, see deer, see elk, so that can be that can be one point, um, or that can be one one form of of wildlife. Um, on the east side, uh, you know, we're we don't usually get deer and elk unless we have some natural areas that are very close by. But really, I think more people, I think most people, are drawn to the program. Um, because they want to support birds, like they love watching birds in their backyard, which I do too. That's really how I came to the program as well. Um, so people who want to support birds, and I think people who want to support pollinators. There's been so much, so much in the news over the last, you know, decade or so about the drop 
and the number of, of pollinators. Like honeybees are kind of what, what gets a lot of press, but really all of our pollinators are really suffering, as well as our amphibians. And so um, I think people are realizing how important pollinators are and want to support them as well. So I think, I think most people come into the program through birds and pollinators, but really once you start understanding the, the dynamic nature of, of ecology, which I feel like our program does a good job of, of talking about at a certain level, um, you start understanding like moles are very beneficial as well. And they annoy a lot of people. And so not everybody's going to want moles. But for, for anybody who can be open to imagining um, and, and receiving moles as a, as a benefit to their local ecology, that's a really wonderful thing. Um, and so, yeah, people come at it kind of from different angles. Um, and yet I think what our program does is get people to be a little bit more open-minded about, you know, what nature they're willing to support or what wildlife they're willing to support. Um, coyotes are, are going to, you know, they're, they're pretty mobile. They move around, um, and they come, you know, kind of far into the city. And, um, we don't have any specific ways to support coyotes. And I think most people aren't really looking for ways (laughs) to support coyotes in their yard. Um, and so really what we try to do is focus on what people see the most in their yard. Um, so for example, one of the certification criteria is providing wildlife um, is providing some kind of wildlife stewardship um, components to their yard. And so that might look like a bird bath or a water feature because water is vitally important to birds, to pollinators, to, um, to a lot of wildlife. So, you know, providing water, keeping cats indoor because they are uh, quite a big problem for birds and, and lead to a significant number of bird deaths. Um, putting up a bird or a bat nest box you know, bats aren't something that people think a lot about, but they're they're very harmless. They do a great job of keeping your mosquito populations under control. So I'm personally a huge fan of bats. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then just um, finding ways to um, to support beneficial insects. You know, there are so many insects that we don't think about that are contributing to the quality of our soil, the nutritional component of our of the crops that we grow. So there's just there's so many things that that people don't necessarily think about in terms of of insects and their benefits. I mean, certainly there are some that have come into the area that um, that are negative, um, but really most of the insects that we have in this region are beneficial if you take a step back and look at their overall impact. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely did. Okay. Thank you. Okay, great. For um, what is the the area that you all serve for your program? And then so that you're doing the certification and you're a, a resource for people interested within that area. And then would you be able to offer up any suggestions for people who live outside of that area that are interested in maybe doing a similar thing for what's native in Idaho or, you know, in yeah, any of the other states? Um across the country. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the area that we are currently serving is um, Multnomah County, uh, most of Multnomah County, um, at least the, well, I should say Portland, Gresham, and Fairview. And then um, last spring, oh, and also Lake Oswego. 
And then last spring, we expanded into a few more cities in Clackamas County. Those were Milwaukee, Westland, Oak Grove, and Jennings Lodge. And then this year, we expanded into the second half of the urbanized portion of Clackamas County. So that includes Happy Valley, Wilsonville, um, Oregon City, and um, I think I'm missing a few in there, River Grove, and um, probably missing one, but that that area. So we're serving a lot of Clackamas County, at least the urbanized part of Clackamas County. Um, and then in the next couple of years, we're also hoping to expand up into Clark County and portions of Washington County. So the program is seeing a lot of growth. There's a lot of interest in this right now. For anybody who doesn't live in our service area, there are we have a lot of resources on our website. We, you know, we like to share this because this is great information for anyone. And a lot of this information isn't regionally specific. So, for example, the native plants that we recommend are from the Portland plant list. Um, but really, um, planting native plants anywhere you live, whatever's native to your region, is going to be hugely beneficial. And so, so we provide a lot of resources on our website, uh, www.backyardhabitats.org. And so I would just encourage people to go there and look through all our, you know, our, our different pages and see what resources they can find. Um, on our website, you can also enroll for our quarterly newsletter. It's an e-newsletter that we send out every three months. And anybody is welcome to sign up for that. We provide more information um, through that. There is, a nas- there is a national program that is somewhat similar to ours. It's through the National Wildlife Federation And that's another great source. So if you want to have some kind of sign that you put into your yard to kind of explain what you're doing, that's a good sign to get um, if you're not in our area and aren't able to get one of our signs. And um, that's not as thorough of a program, so they don't have someone that comes out to your yard and does and does an on-site assessment the way that we do. So it's it's not as thorough, but they still have some really great resources and information. and then another another um, another resource that I would recommend is Metro's Grow Smart, Grow Safe website. That's a website where you can look up information on any herbicides or pesticides that you're using. I think a lot of people, you know, use um, a product, some kind of spray on their roses or that kind of thing that they don't they don't necessarily think of the impact of those. And so what they can do is look up the ingredients in whatever pesticide, herbicide, fungicide they're using on this Grow Smart, Grow Safe website and see, see what toxicity level those chemicals are. Because um, pesticides are um, very dangerous both to wildlife in the area um, as well as to people and have long-lasting, very negative impacts on the whole region um, cumulatively. So I always recommend that as a resource. You don't have to live in this area to utilize that resource. I think that that's a really important one. Um, When we moved into our house, um, it had been heavily sprayed. One, we could just tell, and then we then found, (laughs) you know, just like the big spray um, Mm -hmm. jugs of it. And even Mm -hmm. just by us... um, not doing that when we first moved in like our first year there weren't really there weren't a whole lot of birds like there were crows 
for insects, there wasn't like a whole lot other than like flies and stuff. Like, and not that there wasn't any, but it was like, that was pretty much the two. Those were like, that was our wildlife. (laughs) Um, And just like, just not by not spraying. And then, you know, we have like our little um, raised beds and planting even just like some flowers and stuff like that. Like, Mm -hmm. Even just by doing that simple thing, like over the years, every year we started to see a little bit more coming back. And I think that that not spraying is, um, cause even if you're doing all of these different things and you're putting this harmful, like right. if you do plant natives or you do plant like pollinator friendly, like flowers and that by doing this, you're undermining, I guess those. Absolutely. So I think that that's a really helpful one for anyone that anyone can start doing. I like that. Suggestion. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I completely agree. It's, it's a huge, um, it's a huge thing for people to think about and, you know, there can be direct and indirect impacts. And so if you, if you spray something directly on a plant um, that's flowering, for example, any insect or hummingbird that feeds off of that flower is, is going to take in that toxin but and but then they're also indirect. Well, it's, it's still kind of direct, but more indirect. Um, you know, sometimes you you spray these things on the ground, um, and and it soaks into the soil. So you think, oh, okay, well, it it, it disintegrated. It's fine. Um, but what really happens is it can come up through the roots and up through the stems of the plant, and ultimately end up in the flowers and the and the nectar as well. And so you're still still you are um, poisoning. Um, the bees and the hummingbirds that that might feed off of that flower. So, yeah, that's a really important point. I think some some pollinators are are better at detecting pesticides than others, and so you know some you're subjecting to unwittingly um, to those toxins. Getting ready to wrap up. Is there anything else that um, you can think of that would be helpful to share, or that you would you guys have going on that you want people to know about? I would, I would actually encourage anybody who's interested in learning more on this topic to look into a book written by Douglas Tallamy. It's called Bringing Nature Home. And he does a really great job of explaining why it's important to take these actions, why it's important to plant native plants and, and get rid of the noxious weeds, the invasive weeds that are in your yard, and what an impact it makes. So he's, he's a scientist. He's an entomologist. Um, who has done research on this. And he lives on the East Coast, but the science is still applicable to the West Coast. And it's just a really great book. You, you don't have to have, um, you know, thorough knowledge of ecological systems or anything. He keeps it very, um, very readable to anyone who's new to this conversation. And so um, I think I would recommend that anyone who's interested read that book because, again, it just does a great job of explaining these concepts. Great. We'll link that book up. Um... So one thing that we like to ask all of our guests in conclusion is what is one thing that you would ask of your fellow human beings? One thing that doesn't get talked about a lot um, in, in the world of conservation is the impact that conservation projects and programs have on on communities that have historically been underserved or, um, you know, with communities that struggle, like particularly communities of color um, and low-income communities. 
And so that's, that's one thing that we've been thinking a lot about with this program, because honestly, this program is, you know, you have, you have to have a certain amount of money to buy the plants. You have to have a certain amount of free time in order to take care of the weeds, in order to plant the native plants. Um, and, and to even think about this. And so one thing we're trying to wrap our heads around is how can we support um, people in our communities who, who don't necessarily have this kind of thing on the forefront of their mind, but who very much want to support nature. Like just because they don't have the same amount of, of resources doesn't mean that they don't care about nature or that they wouldn't love to see birds in their backyard. So I think one thing I would like to encourage is just thinking about your neighbor. And, you know, most people have a real fondness for nature and, and would really like to see more butterflies, more bees, more birds in their yards. And, and you can be the one to help your neighbor, whether they need a little, you know, whether they need support planting their plants or in the weeds, like dealing with, with the noxious weeds are a really big problem for, a lot of people, and, and some people just don't have the physical capacity to take that on themselves. So I think what I would ask is, is think about ways that you can not only implement this in your own yard, but also think about your neighbors and how you can support them in this work, because there is a real opportunity to build community um, with, with this work. Thank you very much um, for coming on and talking with us today. And um, yeah for just sharing what's inside your head and in your heart with all of us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. 